Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you this morning. It's great to worship with you. I appreciate being part of God's family with you, uh, trusting that we are all shining. <laughs> even even as uh, Tammy was seeing that picture of the lake that shimmered from all the mineral disp- deposits, uh, Karen was just being reminded of us being like precious stones in the Lord's hands. And like, you don't have to, if you are a diamond, you don't have to work to shine, you just shine. And that's what happens. Uh, Ephesians talks about God putting us in this middle of the depraved generation. We shine like stars in the universe. So I just encourage you with that, that where you go, you are a light for him. You, we may not think about that even sometimes. I know there's, there's been more times in my life where I feel like I'm not shining for anybody right now. But God has placed you in places. Don't ever second guess that he created you, that he placed something of value inside of you, and that he sent you right where you are to be a light for him to shine. So just do that for him and just release what he's placed inside of you. We're we're, we're in the middle of talking uh, about you plus me equals us. We've been doing a series on community, and we started all the way back in the book of Genesis in chapter 2 and verse 18, uh, where the Lord God said it's not good for the man to be alone. And that's kind of been our launching point of all the things that God created in the in the creation story. Everything that he looked around and said, this is good, it's, it's perfect, everything is just right. The only thing that God said was not good was for man to be alone. We were not created to be alone. God's desire is for us to live in community. He wants to turn our me into an us. He wants to place us with other people that we would be in relationship. And community requires a choice and a commitment. If we say we are going to enter into relationship and be in community with people, that is something you and I get to choose to do. And then we make a commitment to stay there. If, if you are a part of New Life Fellowship, if you're here this morning, you've made a choice to be here and a commitment to be here. That's part of what community is all about. Uh, throughout this series, we've had some pictures available in the lobby because pictures help remind us of the important relationships and the important times in our life. So I encourage you to continue to get pictures. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Before I even get to the end of service, I'm going to ask you right now, find someone this week and ask them to come with you next week to get their picture taken with you. That's an easy way to invite somebody. Man, I value our relationship. I'm glad we're friends. Come with me next week and get our picture taken together. Let's do something to commemorate our friendship. And just be a part of that, what God's doing in our midst. So each week we've been looking at the relationship that God wants to bring into our life and add to us. We started out talking about the selfie. Just me plus God equals us. There's a relationship he wants to have with us, a communion that he wants to have in our lives that empowers us to live as he intended us to live and make every other relationship healthy. And then we said last week, uh, we looked at our besties. Who are our best friends in life? Me plus God equals you. Even Jesus, out of all the people that hung out with him, he had Peter, James, and John. He had some people that were his closest friends that he could be transparent with. That's really what our besties are, the people that know us better than anybody else, the ones that we can be ourselves around, that we can be transparent, and they are still committed to walking through life with us. This week, because I'm so cool and trendy, we're going to talk about our homies. (laughs) And I've never felt more uncool saying a word from the pulpit in my life. 
But we're going to talk about our homies. These are our friends. These, these are the people that we hang out with more than anybody else. Me plus friends equals us. These are the people you hang out with. These are the acquaintances you ask for help. These are the first people you call when you're going to go do something fun. Come on, how many people in the room have done something fun in the last week? And the rest of you need to get out more. Come on. Your, your homies, your friends, this level of relationships are the people that you think, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to go do this, it's going to be great. Who should we bring with us? Who are our friends? Who are we going to take with us? Those are the people that we're hanging out with that they may not be your best friends where you're completely transparent and you tell them everything, but they are the friends that are around the most often. Come on, and, and I will encourage you with that. You should only have a few best friends. Don't tell everybody in the whole world everything that's going on in your life. That, that'll wear you out and it's very unhealthy. So you have a few best friends, but this level I'm talking about are the people that you hang out with all the time. And here is a clue. The people in this room should be a huge part of this level of relationships that we have. The people in this room should be our friends. And come on, I'm... We're not a cult. I'm not telling you you can only relate to people in this room. I'm not going to tell you who you can marry or who you can even be friends with. But the reality of it is, if we are the people of God, if we are the church encouraging one another and living life together, the people in this room should be some of the people in that category where we think, who are the first people I'm going to call when I need some help, when I want to do something fun, when we just want to hang out? Who am I calling? And hopefully, it should be the people sitting right next to you in these chairs. So our homies, the the people that we are friends with, Jesus knew this principle. He knew that we could do more and accomplish more together than we could alone. Uh, In addition to Peter, James, and John, Jesus had nine other guys that he hung out with all the time. Those, those were his friends. They didn't know him as intimately as Peter, James, and John. They didn't get to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. They didn't get to go everywhere with him. But these other nine guys were in his friend circle. These are the people that we're calling when we need to do something together. They kept expanding their circle of relationships until they eventually turned the world upside down. And that's part of what we're still called to do today. That's why we're called to community. That's why we're called to relationship. We continue to expand that circle until we can turn the world upside down once again. (laughs) There is an example of friendship right there. The access bus is here. I got to go, but I got to give Pastor Pam a hug because I missed her last week. She was sick. (laughs) These should be the people in the room that are the most important, the ones that we're hanging out with all the time. And if I if I didn't have a stage built right here, I would want a scooter to go around and preach because that is just cool. When if I could get one of those for myself, maybe, Tom, I could borrow yours at one point. (laughs) Tom says, sure, he'll give you the shirt off his back if you ask him for it. so we're, we're looking at our friends and our relationships that we have, that they aren't our best friends, but they are still the people we hang out with most often. And this group is necessary because life can be difficult sometimes. There are challenges that we face in life that we can't get through on our own. And sometimes they very much feel like obstacles coming in our path that are trying to prevent us from walking forward. And sometimes life feels just like an obstacle course. And I want to show you a little clip of a group that came together, one of our life groups this last summer realize that it was important to do life together because there's obstacles we can't overcome on our own. Hi, I'm Daniel Alden, and I've been a part of New Life for uh, my entire life. And if you know me, you probably know that I like running, and I normally run by myself, 
but about five months ago, I joined a life group where we did a Tough Mudder, and we trained together, and then on the day of the event, I wanted to see if I would be able to uh, get through all the obstacles by myself, but some of those obstacles that they had, it was literally impossible to do by yourself, and it required the teamwork of uh, the friends that were with me to complete those obstacles, and I was just thankful to be with those people because it was a great experience. So I would encourage you, don't do life alone. And so they, they literally trained together as part of their life group. They met every week. They ran. They did sit-ups. They, they tested themselves over obstacles, and they went, and they accomplished running a race called the Tough Mudder. How many of you have ever heard of the Tough Mudder? Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's like hard enough to run a race, but then you throw in obstacles, and it's hard enough to run an obstacle course, but then you throw in it's wet, it's cold, it's muddy when you're going over and through those obstacles. And there really were ones that you could not do by yourself. You had to have teammates running with you, people that cared about you and helped you over those obstacles. And maybe some of us, we felt like life is full of obstacles that we can't overcome on our own. Maybe you've, you've thought, man, I, I need to get my car fixed and I don't have a ride to the garage. How am I going to get there if I don't have any friends? Man, I, I have a math test tomorrow and I, I don't understand this. Can somebody explain this to me? I can't do it on my own. Maybe you have relationships that are falling apart. It's an obstacle that's coming in your life and you're thinking, I have, I have no idea how to fix this. Can somebody please give me some advice? Somebody that cares and is walking with me. Maybe you're thinking, hey, an obstacle is I'm, I'm broke and, and the bills don't stop coming. I go open the mailbox. There's more every week, even though I don't have more money coming in every week. There's obstacles that come in our path. I have to move a couch and I can't even lift one end of it by myself. How many of you have a couch like that? I got a couch that it's getting to the point where, man, I, I'd be lucky to lift one end of it and get it out the door. But we need people to overcome those things. Maybe you're thinking, I, I lack self-confidence. How could I ever talk to anybody about anything? And you need somebody to come. That's an obstacle that you need somebody to come around you and encourage you and say, you can do it, you can make it. Maybe it's just an obstacle as I'm grieving right now and I just need a shoulder to cry on. Maybe an obstacle is just, man, I'm, I'm so tired. Could, could somebody just walk with me for a little while? Those are all obstacles that come in our life. And don't wait until you get in the middle of the obstacle to decide you need somebody to come alongside of you. If, if you got in that race and you got halfway up the wall and got stuck there and then you're like, hey, where's my friends? I need friends. And I haven't met any up till that point. I'm in big trouble. Right now, now when you're, when you're walking through life and there's, there's not big obstacles coming in your path, now is the time to forge those relationships and get people around you so that when you get in the middle of the tight spot, someone is there for you. Just like the tough mutter, there are things in life that we can't do on our own. We need others to come around and help us with it. And I actually, I kind of think that the purpose of a lot of life's difficulties is to remind us that we're not meant to do them alone. I think the obstacles and the difficulties that come through our life, they're like a wake-up call to us to say, you can't do this by yourself. You need other people. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It reminds us of this. It says, if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. 
How many of you can never read the word pity the man anymore without hearing Mr. T's voice in your head? I pity the man. Yeah, come on. It says, pity the man who has no one to help him up. Whatever situations in your life, then when you look at those situations and it causes pity to rise up in you, maybe compassion, you just feel so bad when you see that situation in those people. Whatever situations cause you to feel that way, one of them that is worth your pity, it says, is people trying to do life alone. People that fall down and have no one to help them up. It says, pity that person. Who has no one alongside of them to help them to walk through things. I don't know how people survive when they move to a new place and don't have any relationships. I've met people like that. They say, hey, we just moved to this city and we're all by ourselves. We have no family. We have no church. How do those people make it? Who, who helps them in life? Who do they call when they need an extra set of hands or somebody to come around them? I don't know how it works out. We need to have a support system. We need to have friends. We need to have relationships that help us to walk through and overcome those obstacles. Friends are the people that you can call and ask for stuff. Friends are the people that are always around. They are our support system. I saw this great quote as I was thinking about the message this week. Uh, I saw this quote from John Acuff. He said, ask strangers for friendship and ask friends for favors. Do you know who people do favors for? You can answer this. Are we awake this morning? Do, Do you know who people do favors for? They do favors for their friends, the people that they know, the people that they have relationship, the people that they trust, the people that they care about. That's who they do favors for. That's who you can ask for help for. I think Joe Cocker was on to something when he's saying, I get by with a little help from my friends. Come on, there, there, is, there is no way we're going to make it in life if we're trying to do it alone. Ask strangers for friendship and ask friends for favors. I, I also saw that quote. This, this might be a complete aside, but if, if you don't know somebody, don't let your first interaction with them be asking them for something. Mm-hmm. Come on, build a friendship, build a relationship first. Value somebody for who they are before you value them for what they have or what they can do. Part of our goal as Christians, or even just as humans, but part of our goal as Christians should be to cultivate friendships. To cultivate relationships with people. To receive kindness and to be kind to somebody. That's what we're after. To to be heard and to listen to somebody. To cultivate those relationships. To, To get help from somebody, but to be help to somebody. That's what we're supposed to be doing in life. That is our calling. Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled it to such a degree that the religious people looked at Jesus and they called him a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Come on, April 15th is right around the corner. Don't forget that. Tax, tax collectors are so bad that they got their own spot on the list right next to the sinners. They called Jesus. What could they think of that was the worst thing they could call Jesus? Oh, he's a friend of sinners. Oh, wait, add tax collectors in there. That'll make it even worse. Come on, don't forget to do your taxes this year. But they called Jesus a friend of tax collectors and sinners Because he hung out with them. The implication in that verse, if you study it, when they said he's their friend, what they were saying is that guy goes around and he spends all of his time with the tax collectors and the sinners. Look at him. How could he do that? Even people who weren't doing what's right felt welcomed around Jesus. 
They felt like he was their friend. They felt like he embraced them. They felt like he liked them. I, I believe that's part of our calling as New Life Fellowship, to present Jesus to the world in such a way that they feel like, man, Jesus, yeah, that's great that he loved the whole world and all that, but he would like me too. Come on, I think there's a lot of people that they, they, they're okay with the conception of God so loved the whole world that he sent Jesus and Jesus has to love me. That's God is love. But they have a problem thinking, would Jesus even like me? If he was sitting in the table across from me, would he feel like he could be my friend? The answer is yes. <laughs> because he did it to such a degree that the religious people looked at him and said, that guy's a friend with sinners and tax collectors. Some, some translations even throw in the, the word notorious sinners or especially wicked sinners. Those are the people that Jesus hung out with. And if he made them feel welcomed, even if they weren't living life the right way, the way they were supposed to or doing righteous things, if he made them feel welcome, if we aren't generating that same feeling in people when they're around us, maybe we're not following Jesus correctly. That's, that could be an ouch point. You don't have to say amen to that this morning, but say something. That could be an ouch moment. If people aren't feeling welcomed, if they aren't feeling the same way that Jesus made them feel when he was in the room with them, we might not be doing something right. And we need to get back to that to say, how can we be a friend to everyone? How can we expand our circle of relationships to draw people in? If, if, you, if you're sitting there this morning and you've got a bunch of healthy relationships and you're enjoying life-giving, vibrant community in the middle of the church, praise God, help others find it. Help, help the person next to you experience what you're experiencing. But if we're not experiencing that degree of community and those life-giving, healthy relationships, you know, not necessarily the ones that we're being transparent and telling everything to, but just our circle of friends who hang out with us. If that's not healthy, we need to ask ourselves, why don't we have more friends? Why am I not cultivating those relationships well? What's, what's missing from my life? What's, what could be adjusted in me to gather those people around me? If we see things in our lives that, that need to be adjusted, let God do it. And let's open ourselves up to, to follow Jesus' example to us to the point where wouldn't that be a great reputation to have in the community? That's that church that's a friend to everybody. Everybody's welcome there. That You walk in the door and you're embraced and you're welcomed, you're at home. I, that would be awesome for that to be our reputation in the community. Here are some things I want to give you just a couple I thought of. There's, there's probably a whole bunch more that keep us from doing this well, but a couple things I thought of this morning that I think hinder us from cultivating friendships, from having those relationships. The number one thing that I think is out there is we say, we're too busy. And I don't know about you, but I have experienced this, of being so busy where you can't remember what's important. This is, this is a huge problem in society that people don't have time for people. Come on, is there something the matter with that? If we, if we could get to a point as a culture and a society where we say, people just don't have time for people anymore. Everything that we do ought to be geared around cultivating our relationships with people. Yet we stand there and say, oh, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to find out a little bit more about who you are. But I'm too busy. And there's something the matter with that. We've, we've been talking a lot the last couple of weeks about this uh, African proverb that we saw that said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. There should be something about 
We want to go far. We don't want to just go fast. We want to go far. And we need to go together if we're going to do that. If we are too busy for people, we're spending our times on the wrong things. Think about these Bible stories with me for a minute. And as I tell you them, keep in mind, try to think about what do all of these stories have in common? There were two blind men sitting on the side of the road. They were yelling, Son of David, have mercy on us when Jesus walked past. And he he went over and he healed them. He asked them, what do you want? And they said, we want to see. Is that a trick question, Jesus? You're asking two blind guys, what do you want when we've called you over here? He healed them in that moment. There were ten lepers that got healed. And only one of them came back to thank Jesus for what he had done for them. He said, go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices. The lepers got healed. There was a man who asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus began to have this conversation with him about what commandments were important. There was a woman, a very famous woman, who snuck through a crowd. She had a blood disease, and she reached through the middle of the crowd, and she grabbed the hem of Jesus' garment and received healing in that moment. Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples are like, come on, there's tons of people here. What do you mean, who touched you? He's like, power just went out of me. Who touched me? When Jesus is walking along, and he sees a little short guy named Zacchaeus up in a tree, because he couldn't see around the crowd, and so he climbed up in the tree. How many of you sang that song when you were in Sunday school as a kid? The wee little man was he? Yeah. Climbed up in that sycamore tree. Why? For the Lord he wanted to see. Thank you. Thank you very much. What do all of those stories have in common? Those people that got healed, Zacchaeus, the young guy that asked him, what must I do? In every one of those stories, you can go back and read them later to to prove this to yourself. In every one of those stories, Jesus was on his way somewhere else. He said, I'm, I'm going here. It said he was on his way to the temple. He was on his way to Galilee. He was on his way to Jerusalem. In every one of those stories, he was on his way somewhere else. But Jesus made time for people. There was nothing in his schedule that was so urgent and so important that he couldn't take time for a person. And if Jesus made time for people, I think if we are Jesus followers... We should make time for people also. So let's not let we're too busy be an excuse for expanding our circle and making relationships and cultivating friendships with people that are even, let's start within this room, cultivating those relationships, please. Let's start in this room, but let's keep an eye for who else, who else could we expend, extend ourselves to that we're not so busy that people aren't valuable to us. So, number one thing I think that hinders us from having relationships, we say we're too busy. I think another big problem that I see, at least in my own life, and I'll I'll preach it so that you guys can hear what I'm struggling with, maybe we're too proud. It really is humbling to ask someone for help. It is really humbling to admit, I don't know everything. It's really humbling to say, I need someone else in my life because really no man is an island. That is, that is a truth that we aren't meant to do things on our own. And sometimes it's just hard to acknowledge that I need to bring other people into my life. That I can't make it all by myself. My, one of the bosses that we used to have where I worked in Virginia, he used to remind us, at all the meetings we'd sit in, he used to remind us the IQ of the group is higher than the IQ of the individual. I thought, that's really profound, that when we are together, we can do more, we can accomplish more, we can know more than when we're by ourselves. It's not weak to admit we need others. 
It's actually wise. There is something smart about saying, I need to have other people in my life. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 22, it says this, Your plans will fall apart right in front of you if you fail to get good advice. But if you first seek out multiple counselors, you'll watch your plans succeed. Everybody say succeed. I would much rather our plans succeed than fail. That's a given. And the Bible says one of the ways to ensure that is to be around people, to have other people speaking into our lives, to get other advice, to know that we need other people to help us over the obstacles that come our way in life, just like they did in the race. I can't overcome this by myself. If we don't have that level of relationships, if we don't have friends in our lives, we risk things falling apart right in front of our eyes. When God places us in the body, he puts us somewhere where we don't have to do or know everything by ourselves. And he does that on purpose. Come on. He didn't just place us here together at New Life Fellowship. He didn't put us in church just randomly by ourselves to say, oh, I'm going to send you over here because, you know, those people need another body in a chair. He puts us together because there's other people that can help us where we don't have to know or to do everything by ourselves. It's hard to be friends with somebody who's too proud to admit that they need friends. Let's not be those people ourselves. There there may be other people that we encounter that need to deal with that, but we can start here and say we're not going to be those people. It's hard to be friends with somebody who's proud. It's a truth that even God demonstrates. In Psalm 138, verse 6, it says, Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Isn't that an amazing thought that here the God of the universe, he sees the condition of humble people. He gets right down there in the dirt with them. Man, you need my help. I'm going to be right here and put my arm around you. But people who are proud, it says the Lord knows them from a distance, knows them from afar. And that's that's not we, we used to make fun of the, the people with the southern accents that they would say afar and we'd say, oh, what's burning? Moving right along, that's, that's, that's the Chris anointing. That's not the Pastor Chris anointing. That's just Chris. He knows them from afar. They're kept at arm's distance because they're too proud to admit, I need other people in my life. And what I would like us to do with this, let's admit that we need other people. A purpose to make new relationships. Start here in the church this month. Find somebody that you don't know, that you never cultivate a relationship with, and just begin to ask him, what's your story? Where are you from? What, what brought you here? How, how can we cultivate a relationship together? Let's not be so proud that we say we don't need anybody. The, the last one that, that I thought of why we struggle sometimes to get relationships and to co- cultivate friendships in our lives. Uh, besides, we're too busy, we're too proud. This last one really steps on my own toes. It says we're not friendly. Yikes. Yeah. Maybe we're not the most friendly people ourselves. Sometimes the way we act, we might as well have a big keep away sign hanging on us. Come on, we might as well have a shirt that says danger, do not touch, do not talk to, something like that. I don't know why we do that sometimes, but just the atmosphere that we create around us and the vibe that we give off to some people is like, man, he doesn't want me to talk to him. Sometimes the problem that we're not cultivating friendships is because we're not friendly. Ooh. Friendship really is a two-way street. 
We, we can't expect to have a bunch of relationships and friends if we aren't friendly ourselves. I think Christians ought to be the friendliest people around. I think Christians ought to be the ones that would be the easiest to talk to and the easiest to sit down and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to get to know you and cultivate a relationship. That should be something that's in our DNA as Christians. We don't have any excuses to be standoffish or cliquish or rude to people. Come on, if, if the Son of God could step out of glory and say, I'm going to come down there with you. I'm going to live among you until you actually take me and crucify me on a cross. If he could put himself out like that, we have no leg to stand on to say that we're going to be standoffish that we're going to be rude that we're going to exclude people Acts chapter 2 verse 46 uh, talking about the early church being launched after the day of Pentecost and it began to grow like wildfire it says they broke bread in their homes they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Being friendly gave them favor with the people in the community and what was going on in their town. It says they had favor with everyone, and it was actually a part of what grew the church. They had favor with everyone, and God added to their number those who were being saved. How about instead of complaining about customer service, we ought to go there into a restaurant or or a business thinking, I'm going to make their day. Come on. I'm trying to make that very practical for us. If if we walk into somewhere, how many of us, our first impulse is, I'm going to see how they treat me and whether I'm going to give them a tip or whether I'm going to be rude or not. How about if we actually went into a store thinking, I'm going to be the best customer they've had all day. I'm going to smile at them. I'm going to make their day. I'm going to, I'm going to make it impossible for them to be a rude customer service person. There's not people in the world that are thinking that way. It should start here in the house of God. How about in, instead of emphasizing our differences, we focus on what unites us. Instead of arguing about what candidate did you vote for? Are you happy with the way things are going in government or not? Come on. How about instead of those arguments with people, we focus on what unites us and what makes us the same. So this morning, instead of being busy, instead of being proud, instead of being unfriendly, let's ask God to expand our relationships. Let's ask God to, to let us be a friend to others and let people be a friend to us. Especially in, in this year of refreshing that we're talking about and what God's breathing upon the church right now. Uh, I saw this verse in Proverbs chapter 27. It says this, sweet friendships refresh the soul. Come on, isn't that awesome? Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. When you read a verse like that, how could you not want to cultivate relationships with people and, and, and develop those friendships because they are refreshing to us. They are like sweet incense that invites the presence of God when we begin to have a relationship and have community with one another, when we let God add friends to our me to make an us. This is what I want us to do this week. I already mentioned it earlier, but just to tie back to it, uh, commit to bring somebody next week to get your picture taken with them. Say, man, I, I value you so much. I want to make a memory together. Come and get a picture taken with me next week. And if you've never done it, take a risk and, and join a life group. You, I'm, not, every one of, not every life group is as hard as the Tough Mudder group. 
I'll tell you, if that's what's holding you back and you're nervous about it, am I going to come there? Am I going to get wet and they're going to put mud on me? Not every group does that. It takes a special kind of person to say, I'm going to come to a group that's going to train to do this obstacle course. But take a risk. If, you've, if you're struggling with how do I make friendships, how do I meet people, how do I get others involved in my life, a life group is a great place to start. To say, I'm just, I'm going to go meet some people. I'm going to go, I'm going to go check it out. You, Hopefully, after preaching this sermon, especially, I know some of our life group leaders, you're not going to get there and sit across the table from each other and just stare the whole night. It's not like that. There's a place where you get to know and be known. And you get to help each other and you get to pray for each other and you get to walk through the obstacles of life together. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. Just, just as a question, how, how many of you could do with a couple extra friends in your life to help you through the, the struggles of life and obstacles? So, so this is something that resonates with all of us. This is something that is common. And if we feel like that in the church, how much more do you think people outside in the world that don't have a support system and don't knew, know people need this in their lives? Let's, let's pray together and ask God to help make that a reality in us. God, we come before you right now and we ask that, that you would show us anything in our lives that needs to be adjusted. Where, where we've had trouble making relationships or friendships, Lord, if, if we've been too busy... We ask that you would help us adjust our schedules. Lord, Lord, let us sit with you and look at what our priorities need to be in our schedules and our calendars. Lord, help us to never get to a point where we say we don't have time for people. <laughs> and God, I ask where, where we've been too proud. Lord, humble us. Let us see that we need others in our lives. God, Lord, let it not be a hard lesson, but let us learn that we don't know everything. We can't do everything on our own. We can't just tough it out. We need others to walk with us. And Lord, we're, we're maybe we've been guilty of being unfriendly people sometimes. Where we're, we've been so caught up in our own stuff that, that we forget to be a friend to others. Lord, adjust us in those areas. Let us be people that, as, as practical as it, it may be, Lord, let us be people that, that walk into places with a smile on our face. Let us be people that, that just, uh, just people looking at us would get a sense of there's a friendly person right there. Lord, remind us that we are your representatives in the world. Remind us that we shine for you. <laughs> remind us that we carry the healing that is needed for our nation, that we carry what is needed for families, that we carry what is needed for our communities because you live inside of us. And Lord, if if we are at a place where we're standoffish and we're unfriendly, how are people ever going to hear the answer from us? Lord, I ask that you would strengthen us as we walk, that you would encourage us that you would bring relationships into our lives that, that we can encourage and be encouraged from. Lord, I bless you this morning. I thank you for a people in this room who love you, a people in this room who, who love your church, your body, what you're doing in the earth today. God, we ask that you would continue to bless and strengthen us, that you would continue to let your favor be upon us, that you would let the things that we put our hands to prosper, Lord God, especially the relationships that we need to make in this world. God, we give you the glory and the honor for who you are this morning. We ask that you would continue to move in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning because He is worthy.